going on? RGI James back, baby. So in your in your book here, Extracting the Leadership from Within, I you know, I got the chance to read it. Um, what I really did notice in it was the authenticity in it. You really shared stories that, you know, were real, that happened and everything else, but I liked how you related it to leadership. So what, what was your influence on that? Because like I said, 30 years of knowledge, you know, your 30 years of leadership, you know, so what influenced you to say after you were done, after you retired, that you wanted to write this book, what influenced that? Well, Izzy, I, I really wanted to share some thoughts that I believe that I left out, right? And 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 then also amplify some some of the ideas that I thought that that made me successful as a leader, right? And then some of the so particularly some of the methods and uh, intention that I took to lead people and to create a certain result that I was really looking for. And that is having airmen slash people in general being happy about, you know, about their work, right? And where they're at. And so um, I, I started with what I thought was best, the best thing about me, my superpower, and that was authenticity, right? I started there, I'm an open book, I wanted to be transparent, and I believe that is the one thing that allowed people to to stick with me, even when it was mm -hmm. tough. Um, they knew that I came from a, a place of you know of transparency and vulnerability and openness and honesty, all of the qualities that that I wanted to see in my own leader. So I wanted to share those in the book, right? And so I I put. I put illustrations of of leaders, both good and bad, throughout the book that have shown those kind of qualities so that, that we could all just learn from them all. So I'm happy that I got to include all of those in there. I'm, I'm happy to be able to show a, a model of leadership that that allows people to, to then pick it up and say, I can do that and I can lead in this way and then maybe open their minds to leading maybe potentially in a different way. So one, one thing I really did like, honestly, was the fact that we reading the book, I felt like what your stories portrayed in it were things that people can relate to. <laughs> We've all had the Brenders. We'd all had the Arvins, you know what I'm saying? The mm -hmm. personal powers. And I really liked how you show like the positive and the negative of it, yeah. because just because you think that you're, 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 you're trying to be like a, a good leader thinking that you're doing things right in other people's eyes, it could be negative. So right. there was, there was certain parts in the book that I really picked out and I want to ask you some questions on it. And I want you, you know, just to expand on it and everything else. Cause they, as I was reading through it, they really hit me. Like I was okay. like, I need to write this down because Good. I felt like, and knowing that I was going to be talking to you today, I was like, man, I it's, it's cool that you were able to portray that because not many times people have the mental process to think that way. Mm -hmm. So the first one, when I was reading it, you highlighted that 72% of the organization's mm -hmm. success or failure is attributed to the leader's knowledge, skills, and abilities to motivate yeah. and inspire. And mm -hmm. then you came around and said 28% comes from your team's efforts. That's right. Why is that? Where, where does that come from? Like, why, why is that? 
So that's that's research says that, but let me back that up, right? And so I believe that an organization will perform at its highest level when their leader is engaged, when their leader is is uh, inspirational and motivational, and then is able to establish trust, build a, a, a sense of family, and mm-hmm. you know create a culture where where people can then feel comfortable that, you know, this is a place that I work and I spend half of my, my life, right? Um, which are the essentially my principles about leadership, right? But, but an organization will perform at its highest level because of its leader. And, and an organization can only get, will only get faster only if the, the, they, have the, they have the support of a leader that is totally engaged. So workers can only produce so much, right? But mm-hmm. they will also, because of their leader, they will give them what we call, you know, um, discretionary effort because because they say, I, will, I don't want to let my boss down, right? right. And so they'll give them some more and they'll take ownership of the, of, the, of the team, of their task because of it. And so I know that for sure, just firsthand, you know, when... When my boss was a great boss, I, you know, I never wanted to let him down mm-hmm. and I always wanted to give him a little bit more because of it, right? And so um, I have a saying that I always say, and that is uh, people don't quit their jobs, they quit their bosses. Absolutely. And so this is it just it's a testament to that, that research that shows that leader, leading is what creates that, uh, that high performance. But you're so you got those horse blinders on that you're so one dimensional that you just don't even want to hear it. And it was funny in Oklahoma. I had I had a friend. He was a, a tech sergeant with me, and he was like that because he was the NCOIC of console ops. So he was in charge of the command post operate, you know, where the controllers were. And every time something would happen, his flow was. I need to do this first, this first, this first. But other controllers are not like that. Other controllers like, all right, let me do this first. And then I go to here and there. So he always would be just one dimensional, just I can't, I want it done my way. If I don't get it done my way, then don't do it at all. To the point where the superintendent was like, dude, you can't, you can't be like that. Because if you're like that, the controllers are not going to want to do the work. My superintendent used to tell him, you can't be one dimensional because if you're one dimensional. These controllers are going to want, they're going to start despising you. Two, they're going to look at the schedule and be like, oh, my God, I got to work with him. And three is they're just going to be like, I'm trained and certified. I know what I'm doing, so let me go. Let me do what I need to do. And a lot of times you get that where people just like they say they trust you, but they only trust you if you're doing it the way they want it done. So that's not really trust. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's, a, it's, a it's a shady way of trusting people, which is really not, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is one of the things leaders really struggle with, and that is empowering their people, right? And there's for several reasons why they do it, but but they they really struggle with that. And because they really want the result to be exactly how they want it yep. to be. And, and that was one of the things that I thought was successful in my leadership career is I would say, you know, hey, Izzy, this is yours. I want mm-hmm. you to, here, this is what I'm trying to get after. Do it the way you think is the best way to get right, it done, right. right? And so that always worked. I learned from that. Uh, and then I just started using that as a tool, yeah. right? And I was like, okay, how do I buy, how do I buy ownership into the organization? I empower my people. Yeah. I mean, it is really that simple, but 
Um, I would think that some of the leaders really struggle with being able to let let go of things, let go of control for for uh, several reasons. But but that's really their problem. Yeah. And um, I wish they could do it better because you know our workers deserve to to have some some level of say right. and some level of empowerment into yeah. the, into how tasks are being. Because, uh, Mike, what was funny was when me and Satch were stationed in Vegas, I was he, he appointed me as the training manager. So I was happy. I mm -hmm. didn't have to work shift schedule no more. I only had to come <laughs> twice, a, uh, twice a month. I had to work the console. But there was yeah. one thing that I really appreciated from him was every time I would walk into his office, he would tell me, and I don't know if you remember this, that he would tell me, here comes the union rep. What does the union yeah. have to complain about now? So I was like the union facilitator, the mediator. And I used to come in there. He be, he looks at me, he goes, what does the union want now? Is he, <laughs> the union rep is in my, oh, what do you want? Guys? But it was, it was just that fostering, that teamwork, that cohesion. Like right. he didn't, he didn't need everybody to come into his office to complain and everything else, you know, cause he, even though he opened door, he allowed anybody to come in there. But I was so cool with them that they would just be like, hey, Izzy, I'm working shift. Can you just let them know that, hey, this problem, that? I'd be like, I got you guys. And I'm glad that I had that relationship with you because you yeah. did. When you said open door, it was open door. A lot of times, a lot of time leaders don't, don't stick to that. They say open door, but it's only when it's convenient for them. Oh, yeah. When it's convenient yeah. they, that, that it's a problem that they could just nip in the butt real quick. Because if it's a the big issue, they're like, oh, man, I should have never had open door policy. But, that's right. but man, that shit, that shit used to make me like, I used to go in there and look at him and he'd be like, I just got in. He'd be like, dude, what does the union want? I just walked in, I sat down and I'd be like, here are the list of complaints. <laughs> Item number one. And I used to scratch him off and everything. But to, to segue from that, one beauty of me being able to do that with you was that you listened and you communicated. You always had a response. Mm -hmm. If you didn't have it, you always told me, I don't have the answer for you right now, but I will get it and I will get back yeah. to you. And, and, you know, yeah. a lot of times people don't, don't stick to that. They'll just say they'll listen or they hear you and they'll just be like, okay, let me work on it. But then you don't hear nothing back from them. So one of yeah. the, one of the things in your book that you highlighted as well is I'm a big proponent on listening and verbal communication. You know what I'm saying? I'm big on that, but I like mm -hmm. that you wrote listening is not hearing words. That's right. So elaborate on that because I'm a big proponent and I always tell people don't hear me because uh, you know, their response mm -hmm. to be, Oh, I'm hearing you. I, I always tell them, I don't want you hearing me. I want you to listen to me. So what's the, what is, what's the difference of why you wrote that, that listening is not hearing words. So you, so you've looked really deep into my book. And so that's really awesome. I, I mean, that makes me feel good as yeah. an author because those are some details that, that I want people to, to get right. But, Listening in my in the way, in my view is not just hearing the words that are coming out of their mouths. Mm -hmm. It has a lot to do with their nonverbals, right? It has a lot to do with what they did not say, right? It has a lot to do with the word choice that they that they did use and the emotions that come in across the table, right? Mm -hmm. And so you got to pay attention to all of that. And, you know, we talk about this and through our PMEs and stuff like this, right. but it's vital for you to just see what's really not being said, what is being said and how it's being said, because that would really put into context everything that, that you're hearing. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I often, 
I often pay attention to that and I may just not even answer your, your question or your statement. Right. I'd be like, wait, tell me how you're doing. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, and people would be like, Hey, wait a minute. This is not it. But I'm rather trying to find, I'd rather find out what place you're coming from right now. So then I can understand what's brought you into this moment right now that maybe have you so emotional or so angry or, or even happy. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I do that at home with my own kids yeah. and, and, and I know that it works there and there's no difference. Right. I, I mm -hmm. see leadership both, uh, it's not confined to an institution or your family. And so I use the same tactics and uh, methods with my family that I do in my workplace. Right? Yeah. Because I want you to share the story of Brenda because Brenda to me was the one that I've always dealt, I've, I've dealt with a lot in my career and especially with the, the dog figurines. I thought that was pretty cool, but share that story of Brenda, because I feel like through my career, I've had good leaders, semi bad leaders, but most of the time it was always rated because they came in with that authority authoritative, you know, presence, like they're like, yo, I'm here to lay the law down. I'm dropping the hammer. You, you know, you guys better get your shit in order or else you're going to face mm -hmm. the consequences. And as I was yeah. reading, I was like, Brenda always stuck with me because I've dealt with a lot of Brenda. So share the story of Brenda. So Brenda was my first, uh, superintendent. And, um, <laughs> and so, um, I, I know Brenda fondly, uh, Brenda's from Texas. She's, uh, she was a single parent mm -hmm. and she had her mother that lived in her home with her. So she had a lot of responsibility. Um, and she, she came from the old school. It was, you know, when I first came in, which was a little different, not really interested in the opinions of an airman. Right. right? Um, and so she came from that, that context, which you really got to put into play as well as you read about Brenda. But if you share bad news with Brenda, Brenda would jump up <laughs> and she would knee jerk react. And in the halls, you know, there's these concrete floors. You could just hear her heels just bumping up and down the down, and you knew Brenda was coming. Right, right. right. <laughs> but I thought I Brenda liked me, right? And um, I I learned that over time. And so they would always send, hey, Satch, go talk to Sergeant Beffer. You know, she's not happy right now. So I would go in there and, and, you know, and then she would sit back, put her feet up, and she would tell me some old war story. But so we don't know a lot about Brenda, just as much as we don't. We didn't mm -hmm. know a lot about uh, Will Smith, mm -hmm. right? Who, who knew that Will Smith would smack the shit out of uh, Chris Rock, right? <laughs> because we always thought on the surface of things, we thought this is what we knew mm -hmm. about that. Right. But so Brenda really had a kind heart, but she just did not know how to express herself. And so, um, but here's the bad thing that comes with Brenda not being able to express herself well, is that her team was not willing to come to her, mm -hmm. you know, for good news and bad news because they knew that she would react poorly. And so people that react poorly to bad news, they have people on their team that are hiding stuff, right? Yeah. They're fudging numbers, they are hiding problems, and they're not communicating. And that is the side effect from being a knee-jerk reactor. Reactor, uh, And then I'll go back to it. Then there's a huge loss of trust because, because of Brenda acting the way that she did. So here, here was my best part of, of Brenda's uh, when you wrote. So in the book, they gave her, her troops gave her these two statues. 
They would yeah, so, a figure, uh, they gave him a Rottweiler oh, and a poodle, so, right? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, finish it. Rottweiler so, poodle. Yeah, so we would put the we would put the <laughs> Rottweiler. We asked her to put the poodle or the Rottweiler, depending on how she was feeling, <laughs> on the front of her desk. So when you walked past it, you kind of knew what kind of mood situation she was in, right? Okay, it's bad, but it's effective, right? But it's bad, right? So. But she she kept it up, yeah, man. Yeah. It was funny after you know everyone knew it was like hey, she's not feeling it today. The Rottweilers sitting front and center, you know, so pretty cool. That that's fun, and it's and it's crazy because one thing like you wrote as well is these leadership principles, you know, these imperatives that you wrote down, the models and everything else, they do parallel with personal relationships. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I also read how you did the comparison with Michael Jordan, which I thought was awesome. It compares mm-hmm. in that, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it really, you could really take this stuff from reading your book and be able to apply it to everyday life. It doesn't That's just right. need to be when you're in a position of leadership. It doesn't That's need right. to be that way. It doesn't need to wait for you to be CEO. It doesn't need to wait for you <laughs> to be a manager. You could do it every day. As you said, in personal relations with your girlfriend, with your wife, you can apply those things because even though the terminology won't be the same, but the concept and the themes right. can still apply. So I'm going to put That's you right. on the spot here because I think I asked you before. So mm-hmm. when did you realize that you were a leader? Oh, wow. So Izzy, that's a hard question, right? It's a hard question to answer. Um, And I didn't know for a long time. I mean, literally, I was a chief, and I didn't realize the magnitude of what uh, or the influence that I had on so many. And you know, I always had people that I mentored. Of course, that kind of came with the territory right. as being a chief. Right. But I I didn't really understand it tremendously until I was just about to retire, right? Mm-hmm. And it's funny. Me and my wife were starting to write our, um, you know, the, the RSVPs for my retirement. So we were like, yeah, you know, probably 50 people maybe, you know, and majority of those would be the people that I work with right now. Right. Uh, I just, I didn't think there would be that many, right? And so I uh, sent out the RSVPs to all my friends and next thing you know, I got 150 RSVPs, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm going, uh-oh. I said, we need another place, <laughs> right? And then I start to get another another wave of RSVPs. Right. So I'm now at 225 and half of them are traveling <laughs> to come to my retirement. Yeah. And it blew my mind and I actually was in tears. Wow. Because I was like, whoa, this I I, I guess I've had a effect on people, right? And so um you know, looking back, I just say that I just didn't look for that kind of that kind of attention. I gave people what I thought that I would want as a leader, right? right. I share some of the things that, um, you know, when I skinned my knee and my boss, you know, put his arm around me and said, it's going to be all right and get and, and giving second chances. And so, and so if that what's worked, then I'm happy it did. And so, like I said, it's a tough question to ask because I didn't know in the moment that I quote unquote was a good leader. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a uh, interesting, you know, 
one of the things when you're talking about like trust a lot of times, and I kind of want your thought process on this actually, is we're hearing trust all the time. And I've, you, if you listen to some people, they don't trust their leadership, but they trust that the leader or the company will get rid of them the next day, right? Like that's a big thing going around nowadays. Like, mm-hmm. hey, spend time with your family because trust your company will find you a replacement for those days. What are some of your mm-hmm. things that like, if a leader is hearing that from his people, what do you think are some ways for that leader to either do some self-realization, some reflection, or in how can they combat that? Like that people legitimately feel that they trust that they're not important to the organization. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that really requires a sit down of your team and be willing to take some feedback from the people, right? So that you can get an understanding. I think we believe we understand, you know, how our people, how they feel, but I think we need to assign their voices to what the, you know, to the emotions in the organization. Instead of me kind of guessing that, you know, what's really going on, I would rather not guess. And if I had that kind of scenario going in my organization, I'm going to stop and I'm going to get my union rep. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and I know it's said this, right? Yeah. But my union rep was important. I mean, it was important to get an understanding of what's happening in your organization. And, you know, I think leaders sometimes fool themselves that believe that they're so connected to their team that mm-hmm. they know everything. And so I used the union rep as a tool. I identified that union rep in every single organization I've ever worked in because they're the ones who are going to amplify the voices of the people and they're going to give it to you in this raw uh, and they're willing to give it to you in such a raw way that you understand how they're feeling. So, yeah, people, when they first heard the term union rep, they thought it was a negative thing, but I, I use it as my influencer in my organization, right? And so so to answer your question, I never guessed. I always went and sought out what's going on and how can I get it back? And, and then I just used every tool in my in my toolbox to, to gain, get them back. So one, one beautiful thing, Saj, is even though you wrote the book, you're doing more with it, with the knowledge of leadership, and all the concepts, you know, the principles and everything else. So I know you're also doing leadership seminars. Can you mm-hmm. can you explain that so the listeners and viewers can know um, where what it's about, what do you do, and everything yeah. else? Okay, great, great question. So you know, I built you know after I got a year into the book, right? So now the book has been on sale for just about a year, um, about three quarters of the way you start to see your book sell at a heavy rate and then it starts to decline. And I just really wanted the people that that were reading it or the people that had not yet read it and really was interested in the concepts for them to hear my voice, right? And hear, see the book and hear my voice. So I, I wrote a workbook, I built a workbook that, that coincides with the book. And so then um, now I do workshops uh, on how to extract the leader. Right. And so it gives you here's the steps to to creating a productive organization. Right. And it starts with your own self-awareness, revealing your authenticity, building on the the three the three um, three levels of uh, influence, which is uh, trust, uh, relationships and culture. And then, you know, influencing the actual productivity. Um, And so. It has been really phenomenal. And I've gotten a lot of great feedback from from the people that have attended the courses. 
Um, and I'm so happy. And I, and I really get a lot out of seeing people's lights come on, right? right. When they see how, you know, their, their lack of authenticity is impacting the organization. And so I'm, I'm really excited about, you know, that step. And it's kind of moving the book along further because it's giving it some life. That's awesome, man. So I just want to honestly say thank you, bro. I appreciate you coming. Wait, 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 wait. So I'm on this <laughs> podcast, right? And you leaving out a significant piece of our history. Here we go. Right? Here we go. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Come on, let's hear it. <laughs> I, I can't believe we got to this far into this podcast, right? You invite me on and the most significant piece of our history is being left out. This, so go ahead. I'm curious if you were trying to close this, this podcast. <laughs> if you are, then it's time for us to bring some closure. Let, let's bring some closure. Go ahead. Let's let's hear the story. Let's hear it. Okay. So you know, you know, there was this guy, right? We'll call him we'll call him Izzy. Right. <laughs> and he you know, he used to talk bad about you know, how good he was in basketball, right? The, and I used best. to referee basketball, right? So he used to always say, you know, referees are people that can't play ball, blah, blah, blah. So one day I had heard enough. I had like, I was like, Izzy, let's go. We're going down to the gym. He was on console at work. And I said, hey, I need y'all to cover him. We're going <laughs> to the basketball court, right? So in the middle of the work day, I'm in PT gear and we go to the gym playing one-on-one. And so, you know, I have to admit, you, you have some game, right? <laughs> but, but I don't remember the score. Um, it was, cl it was close game. It was like 11-10. 11-10 or something <laughs> so like that. Okay, so the score was like 11 to 1, right? And so it was more than I one. Remember, Wait, it was it was no, like it at was least one. seven. Seven. It was absolutely one point. And then I remember you laying in the, in the paint while I walked away. I went. I said, "I'm going back to work." So, so now I haven't. I'm, I'll never play you again I know you won't. because I'll always be. I'll be always one and zero against you. There's never going to be a game. So hopefully you're not asking. For yeah, and you know what was the worst part of the thing? I'll be honest. Yeah, you did beat me, but the worst part of it was. I came decked out in basketball gear. I had my jersey. I had my shorts. I had my sneak. I had knee braces on. I was like, I'm gonna school his ass. But I just ran out of gas. But but that that honestly, with that, that was a lesson, right? You can't you can't count nobody out, you know? Just because right. the, the appearance might seem one way, but then when you actually execute. It's a whole different thing, man. Hey, but you know, and more importantly, though, and to be serious about this, it was that to have a relationship with my team, that they're willing to, you know, you know, play basketball together mm -hmm. or enjoy time together. I mean, we literally play dominoes in the yep. in the command post um, because you know you got a you got this closed environment with very few people. Not many people understand what you do. It's a twelve-hour shift. Right. It gets boring. And uh, and that was real important that the team knew me and I knew them. And, you know, it was a big family. And I'm glad that you were part of it. And, you know, you'll be a friend forever. Likewise, man. I've learned so much from you. And I'm, I'm glad that you provided me with the tools that I needed as I progressed 
because it really showed, it really reflected in with the, the NCOs and the airmen that I worked with to where I left, I left on a high horse. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I was on top of the mm -hmm. pedestal and then through there onto this day, I still get calls from them regarding supervisory issues, which I love, awesome. which is awesome. You know, mm -hmm. they call me like, like how I did with you. Hey, I got this airman. Mm -hmm. This is the issue. You know, what do you recommend? What do you think? Mm -hmm. This and this and that. And I'd be like, I got you, man. This is because this is what I learned from those, mm -hmm. be, you know, in front of me that taught me how to handle yeah. the situation. And, you know, you just pay it forward. But Sag, That's man, right. thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on. It truly was an thank honor you. and privilege for you to talk about leadership. Again, you come with 30 years, continue to progress in, you know, in your leadership seminars, in your, you know, your blogs and podcasts now. So every Thursday, he has a podcast mm -hmm. called Exhale which uh, talks about leadership, gives good knowledge and information on that. And if you don't have the book, go get it. I'm telling you, you won't be disappointed after you read it. Um, like I said, it parallels with everything, everyday life. So it's not just, again, not whether you're CEO, manager, boss, you could do it in your relationships, with your friendships. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Everything that happens in life, the obstacles you face, you could apply these principles, themes, concepts, and everything to, to, to get through it. So again, Sash, thank you so much, man. I appreciate thank it. Thank you for that. Really appreciate that. R real quick. What about that t-shirt? I've seen that t-shirt numerous times. I've seen a couple of mm -hmm. things hit on it. What's going on with that right now? I want to know more about that. So there's this thing, right? That I used to, when I was a chief, I used to, I, I went into like custom ink and I just put it listed on a shirt. And, um, and then I just, it was like my running shirt and, you know, there's a lot of people on base that have, you know, big chief stripes on their shirt, you know, and, and I thought that there was a, some pride in just being enlisted. People recognize there was chief Satchel there. We already know he's a chief, but he's not, he's, he's repping, you know, who we are. Right. And, and I remember just walking into like the food court and people would look at their shirt and, you know, you go, go, they go, yeah, that's pretty cool. Right. And so it's been something I've been sitting on for a long time. So then I went and got it trademarked, right. The, the, the name enlisted for apparel. I went recently and it, it takes about a year or maybe a little more to get a something trademarked like that. And I had it trademarked. And so now we're opening a brand. And so this is version, this is version one. It doesn't, it won't look like this now on sale, but it is now a, an apparel brand that we're going to, um, we're going to start, you know, selling, you know, some merch. And it is really there not to, um, I, I really don't care how much money I make on it, but I just wanted to, to put the pride back out there in just being enlisted. And and a lot of people have said some really positive things about it so far. So I'm excited about that. And it's made us now like move a little faster because we didn't know that we were gonna get that much, uh, you know, positive feedback. Right. So we're with the manufacturers right now. And our idea is to really have a quality product. So like we have one that's an OCP color. Uh, we have my first white tee, but, and we want those to be in dry fit, you know, moisture wicketing. So we're going to go on the high end of it, not in price, but just the high quality, because if you're going to wear it under your uniform, we just want it to be comfortable and we don't want it to shrink on you and stuff like that. So thanks for asking about that, Mike. I appreciate that. Hey, so well, real good. quick, Seth, give us your plugins, man. Where is your leadership blog? 
and everything else before your hamster dies and we lose connection. <laughs> yeah. So my, my website, and so I'm a leadership coach. Um, you can also, you can apply for coaching or you can apply for some uh, certifications in the Resilience Building Leadership Program where it gives you a professional certification. I do that as well. Um, I do one-on-one coaching and team coaching, and then I do workshops, right? And then, so there's a lot going on. Um, and, and I'm also writing curriculum for Air Force Global Strike Command for their, for their leadership wow. program. And so there's, there's so much happening and I'm excited about that. But if you go to core-elc.com, you'll see it all. Um, you'll see my blog on there. You'll see the swag. You'll see, you know, anything that you're trying to connect with me will be on that site. So, uh, and then of course on social media everywhere, Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn are the ones that I use right now. And then with the help of you guys, I'm going to be pushing over into YouTube as uh, the podcast get bigger. Uh, so yeah. So that's where you can find me if you're looking for me. Awesome. Thank you, Satch, man. I appreciate you, bro. You're welcome, man. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys.